are listening to First Church Charlotte. Greetings, everyone. Pastor Nathan here. It is a joy to spend a little bit of time with you talking about the Word of the Lord. I want to have a series of spiritual conversations over this holiday season, and we're going to start with the first one right now, and I'm going to use the theme of this this series. I'm going to use the theme of a quite famous holiday song, All I Want for Christmas. Uh, Now, you know the words, All I Want for Christmas is You, uh, because it's that kind of a song, Uh, but I want to use it as a theme and talk about Uh, some of the principles that are in the Word of the Lord and how we pursue the presence of God and what does that mean for us on a daily basis. I don't mean just speaking in a religious manner. I don't mean simply, you know, sounding official. Um, I mean, what does it mean in your life? How are you different from non-church people? Um, How do you go through life differently than people who uh, basically confess to being unbelievers? What does it mean? Mean. I want to start by reading a, a, a passage of scripture. This is from the beautiful book of Isaiah, just, just a gorgeous book. Um, chapter 64, we're going to read it, verse number one. And before I get started, I want to, I want to point out that this passage uh, in, in Isaiah 64 is one of the first passages of the scripture that, in my memories, that I fell in love with the language of it. Uh, that much of the Old Testament uh, is written in a form of Hebrew poetry. Uh, it, sometimes it just, if you don't think of it that way, you can just kind of rush past it, uh, particularly if you're reading in, say, the King James Version. You can just assume that was a manner of speaking, that there wasn't a craftsmanship to it. But I want you to know there is a craft to writing um, sacred poetry. Uh, and that's what we're about to read right here. Oh, that you would went rend the heavens. This is the writer expressing his heart toward God. Oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down, that the mountains might shake at your presence as fire burns brushwood, as fire causes water to boil to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations may tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things for which we did not look, you came down. The mountain shook at your presence. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, nor has the eye seen any God besides you who waits for the one who waits for him, who acts for the one who waits for him. You meet him who rejoices and does righteousness, who remembers you in your ways. You are indeed angry, for we have sinned. In these ways we continue, and we need to be saved. But we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses, are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. And there is no one who calls on your name, who stirs himself up to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have consumed us because of your iniquities. 
because of our iniquities, I should say. But now, O oh Lord, you are our Father. You are, we are the clay and you our potter. And all we are the work of your hand. This passage, I, I believe, it just in, in a beautiful way expresses a heart that is pursuing God. It's possible for us to live lives that are quite shallow in terms of the spiritual. Uh, we know that. Many of us have succeeded in doing it. Um, it's quite possible for us to live a life that is bounded by temporal things, by uh, the limits of the world we can understand, and anything that is beyond that world, we write it off as if to say we cannot understand it, therefore there is no value there. Uh, and so we, most of us need a, a spiritual stirring from time to time. We need something that awakens within us, a hunger uh, to pursue the eternal, to, as it were, you know, as songwriters have said, to touch the face of God, to to get beyond the temporal nature of our lives and pursue the eternal reality uh, of our souls. Um, this season of the holidays, uh, really from the whole month, for the whole month of December, is as close as we as a society get to uh, celebrating uh, the foundations, the philosophical and spiritual and religious foundations of, of who we are. The holidays are really the closest we get. Um, people who don't listen to sacred music at all during the year for several weeks uh, in December, they will listen to a lot of songs that are sacred uh, in their language and sacred in their style. And they won't think twice about it because it's, it's the holidays and that's what you do. Um, people who haven't been to church one time will uh, hum along to a little town of Bethlehem. Uh, you, you understand what I'm saying. We are in some ways beckoned by the holidays to consider uh, foundations, to consider why we believe the things we believe. Uh, and I don't just mean this as Christians. We, we do this every week. I mean this as a society. Uh, what did we need and what is poured out of the hearts of Old Testament writers? And that is really access to God. We Christians talk a lot about this. We, we, we sing songs, we preach messages, we give Bible studies. We, we use this language where I, how much I love Jesus. Um, and we talk about having a relationship with Jesus. And we talk about walking with him and we sing and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me that I am his own. Uh, and we're satisfied. As long as we're witnessing to other believers, it's very easy. <laughs> uh, the problem is that all those people are saved and they are now uh, in a different role to us. They are now workers in the field along with us. They're, 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 they're not the field. Um, and sometimes we're much better at having employee meetings than we are at fulfilling the mission. How do you talk to people who don't spend their year thinking about eternal thoughts? Um, these writers in the Old Testament, I, I read one passage, Isaiah 64, to, to kind of highlight this, but they're expressing a hunger for the things, for, for God, a hunger for the eternal. A Job will write, in the middle of all of his troubles, oh, that I knew where I might find him. This longing for God is more than fear. 
Uh, okay, let me let me pause right there and uh, reach back to something I've mentioned about how what does it mean to know the Lord? What does it mean to seek a relationship with the Lord? And what does it mean for you? Many of you watching this have been in the church 20 years, so let me ask you, how's your relationship with Jesus? I don't mean your faith. <laughs> I don't mean the fact that you believe that he died for you. I don't mean your theology. I mean your relationship with him. Um, because that is the high goal and the high promise, shall I say, of this new covenant that we have been given, this new testament made possible through the, the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. Um, how is your relationship with him? I'm not asking, do you go to church? Most of you do go to church. I'm not asking you even if you have habits of a spiritual style. Um, all those things are good and needed. I'm asking you, how much are you living where you have a sense of the presence of God in your life? How is your relationship with Jesus? Uh, having asked you that question, let me push a little bit further and say, what do we mean when we say a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? What do we mean when we say we love Him? I know we're good at talking religiously one to another, but what do we mean when we say that? Um, it's not the same thing we mean when we say we love our children. We, we know our children as people, as biological people who run around and mess up the house and then give us hugs that make everything okay. Um, we, we don't say that we love him like we love our parents. Uh, we, we understand him by thinking about the role of a parent, but you had Thanksgiving dinner with your parents if they're still alive and you had access to them. You understand what I'm saying? What does it mean? Well, for most of, uh, for most people, um, they, they struggle to answer that question. If you're honest, you struggle to answer uh, that question, and that limits your ability to have spiritual conversations uh, with people who aren't in the religious, uh, on the religious team. Um, uh, your fellow churchgoers won't press you when you say that. Um, most of the people who you're trying to influence in your world won't either. They'll just ignore you. But that's because they don't know if it's okay. What does it mean to say that? So, first of all, think about the fear of the Lord. Now, we have beautiful scriptures like the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Um, but fear is fundamentally self-interested. I don't have to know you to be afraid of you. All I have to do is be able to perceive a threat. And then I'm afraid of you whether I know you or not. Whether I like you or not. Whether I love you or not. If you're a threat, I fear you. This, this is a very Old Testament way of serving the Lord. Um, this is, if you'll allow me to say it this way, this is an instructive style. Uh, we know this from the scripture that the law and the manner of the law and its giving was instructive to us in the manner of a schoolmaster to teach us our need for a redeemer to teach us our need for a spiritual covering. So fear is not a relationship with God. It's the beginning of something. It's the beginning of spiritual order. You understand you are the creation, he is the creator. And so fear of the Lord is appropriate as a beginning. But fear is not a relationship with God. Now I know you could say, well, maybe it's a negative relationship. Okay, I, I think I see what you're doing with that. But here's the thing I want you to see. Um, just because someone is a threat to you 
doesn't mean you consider yourself to have a relationship with them. Just because you're afraid of them. Um, Fear primarily is self-interested. Now, I know we can be afraid for other people, but I want to show you, I want you to see that when you do that, you are including those people who you are afraid for in your circle of concern. They become extensions of you. And so you're afraid for them, yes, but you are afraid in the manner of one who has extended the circle of their care and concern uh, and you're afraid for them. Fear is always uh, self-interested. Um, it is not a goal for a right relationship uh, with God. If it were, there would have been no need for a new testament, a new covenant of hope and grace given to us uh, as we know it in the New Testament. Um, that fear is a help to us. It teaches us spiritual order. It reminds us of who we are and who God is. And it places back in the the consciousness, the circle of our concern, a sense that we will give an answer for the life we live. All that's the beginning of something, but that is not the goal of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so if fear is foundationally uh, self-interest or some extension of self-interest, is that what God is inviting us toward? To where if you don't spend time with me, then I'm going to get you. If you don't live right, then I'm going to get, get you. Think about this. Now, all of you guys who talk about how you love the Lord, what, what do you mean? You have a relationship with the Lord. Okay, what does that mean? And if I don't know for myself whether or not I really have a relationship or I'm just kind of living religiously, how would I go about building a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? So a couple of things uh, of a practical, a practical nature. As I've said, a fear is um, it's a necessary beginning, but that's not the goal of a spiritual walk with God. It, fear is self-interested. Um, it is not the pursuit of something. It is the fleeing, the running, the retreat from something. Um, in this passage we read here, Isaiah 64, and also the passage where I, I referenced Job saying uh, in the middle of his troubles that he desperately wished he knew how he could find God. Um, what you're seeing here is not the fleeing from God. You're not seeing a fear relationship here. Even though there's repentance in both of their languages, in both of the passages of Scripture, even though there is right confessions of order, God is in heaven, you are holy, we're on earth, we are not holy, none of us are good, even though there's acknowledgement of the lessons that fear teaches, these people are not running away from God in fear. Oh, if I don't get right, then he's going to get me. It's not that. It is the pursuit of something. It is the wholesale pursuit of something that is not of this world, something that is spiritual in its foundations, and something that makes your life, uh, your soul whole. That's what's being expressed here. Um, we, we, we hunger, oh, if you would just rend the heavens uh, Isaiah says, if you would come down, yes, yes, the earth would shake at your presence. Yes, I, you know, I might be terrified, but it would be worth it because I'm hungry 
for you. There is a pretty good chance that uh, some percentage of us tonight, uh, some percentage of those of you watching right now, have primarily had a religious relationship with God. Um, You have a kind of set of things that if you do these things, then you're a Christian. You have in your your mind and your spirit kind of a, uh, how shall we say this? Uh, this, this, this laundry list. You know, if I don't do this and I don't do that and I do go to church on Sunday, um, then, I, then I'm a Christian, then I'm a believer, then I'm saved, then I, then I have a right relationship with God and then I get to have all this religious talk about how I have a relationship with Him and how I walk with Him and talk with Him. You understand? There's a, there's a pretty solid chance that some percentage of us we're living right there where we have a laundry list and if we don't do these things, then we have a relationship with God. And if we do these things, then we have a relationship with God. If we go to church, you know, if we don't smoke and we don't chew and we don't run with girls that do, <laughs> um, then we have a relationship with God. I, I, would, I want to push against that. I want to challenge that. Um, that is a duty relationship with God. And there is duty in our relationship with God. We call it faithfulness. And God honors it. And God responds to it. He is faithful to us. We are faithful to Him. But that's not really what is pouring out of the heart of the psalmist, uh, the prophet, um, Job. (laughs) That's not what's pouring out of their heart. They're not saying, oh God, I want so much to be faithful and I want so much to to keep your law. No, they're saying, I I want to know you. I I want to stand in your presence. I want to... I want to have something more than just a list of do's and don'ts. So how do we, if we have, let's say, some part of this spiritual conversation we're having here has uh, piqued your interest and you think, I I wonder if I am building a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ um, or if I am being religious. By religious, I mean, you know, you do religious things and you think that is a relationship with the Lord. And those religious things are not wrong. In fact, those religious things are all helps to you. In some cases, they're crutches when you're weak and they're training, <laughs> a, a training gym when you're strong. I mean, these things are all good. Um, but uh, is that a relationship? Let's say that that just peaked within you and you're, you're considering it. Um, the first thing you want to know is uh, how do I begin to turn the inclination of my life, my spirituality, my soul, away from duty, relationship with God, to pursuing His heart and pursuing His nature. Okay, I don't want you to feel like you should throw out your disciplines or you should throw out your rules. That is to miss the point foundationally. That would be like the children of Israel when prophet after prophet are coming to them and saying, you're missing the point of God among you. You're missing the point. And they say, okay, well, we're missing the point, so we're just going to stop doing all of the commands of the Scripture because we're missing the point. No, that's, that's, that's not what we're going to do. What we're going to seek is something beyond fear. We're going to try to stir within our hearts the beginnings of a love relationship with Jesus Christ. How do we do that? Well, I want to give you a few things to think about, and I want to confess to you that um, your way will be slightly different than my way because your personality is different than mine. Um, who you are, the things you have survived are all different than, uh, than mine. Um, you will have to pursue him 
in your heart, in your makeup, in your personality. But I want to give you a few things to think about. And the first thing is, don't stop doing the things that you have uh, set as faithful unto the Lord. Uh, don't, don't stop that. Um, I want you to do that, but look beyond it. I want you to look beyond, you know, uh, kind of spiritual order. That's the beginning of wisdom. And I want you to look to a invitation to relationship like Isaiah, who is, when he writes this, he's way beyond being a priest. He's way beyond being a prophet. You understand what I'm saying? He's not just showing up and making sure the temple's in order. There is something in his heart that is craving the space beyond the flesh, the realm beyond the realm of the flesh, this life that we all lived. So um, we're not setting aside our faithfulness. We're looking beyond our faithfulness. Um, What do you idealize? What do you idealize? Um, You're not going to have the kind of relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that you have with your best friend. Now, I know religious people sometimes say, uh, Jesus is my best friend. We understand what they mean. Uh, well, we think we do, but it's not going to be the same. Um, you're going to have to make space for the presence of God in your life. Um, you're going to have to include him in time that you have largely indulged yourself. Okay, what do you admire? What moves you? What is the most beautiful thing that you perceive about this gift of life that you have been given. It's going to be different. Um, for me, I think, I think I'll just speak to myself. Um, the, the, the first thing that is so beautiful to me about this life is um, the, the, the universal language of love that is written into the human story. Um, whatever tribe you go, whatever people you go to, whatever nation, you see the interflocking uh, grip of love. Um, you see the bonds of parent and child. You see the bonds of husband and wife. You see siblings. You see parent, and you see that self-sacrificial commitment to the people you love. Okay, that's, that's going to be number one for me. Number two for me is going to be uh, the moral law within. People have a sense of right and wrong. Whether or not they believe in God, whether or not they... There, there is something written in us, threaded through the tapestry of our, um, our, our, our inner lives, our moral calculations. Um, th- there's a sense of right and wrong. It's like um, Kant said... Uh, Immanuel Kant, he said, there's two things. This isn't in my notes, but it's pretty close to it. Pretty close to a quote. Two things fill my heart with wonder. The starry heavens above and the moral law within. These are the testament of God. We are not just beasts of the field. And to me, that's so beautiful. Uh, and the third thing for me is the, the creation, the, what God has made. It's, it's so beautiful. Um, so I cannot see God simply as a collection of rules and duties and then say, I have a relationship. I have to find what I am most touched by, what I am most moved by, and I have to look for the divine in it. Does that make sense? I have to find what touches me, what I admire. Um, I can be out and I can see, I can see a parent playing with a child, and I, this will sound strange, but I can love them. I don't know them, but I love, I love, 
I love what they represent. I love them, and I, I know I'm getting old because people catch me smiling at them. This, old people do this a lot. You young people, whenever you see an older person looking at you and smiling, they're feeling affection for you. They've never met you. They don't know your name. They are feeling affection for you. This is a human thing. Um, you will notice that if you take children uh, with you, if you have small children or access to small children, older people will stop what they're doing and notice that child because their heart is filled with this indescriptible beauty, this sense of, man, uh, the transcendental they see. Okay, so that's the perception. But can you go beyond just that and see God in it? I can and I strive to, because that is going to, over time, come in, it's going to be formed into what is a real love for God in my heart. Not just religious duty. Not just, I go to church, bless God. Not just, you know, don't do that, don't do that. I am going to have a sense of love for what God has given us. Now, that is a path beyond religiosity, a path to having love in your heart for all that God represents. And out of this, out of this, is going to come, okay, so once you start to see God in the things you hold higher than anything else, you will start having emotion as a result of you seeing God in the things you hold higher than anything else. And once you have are feeling that emotion, you are now getting close to what Isaiah is doing right here, where he is emoting his passion for God to God. You see, he is, he's not just showing up at the temple and doing his duty. He is emoting it. He is living out his internal experience of a hunger for God, a hunger for the eternal, a hunger for the transcendental, a hunger for that which is divine. So I hope and pray that you have more in your life, your religious life, than just a list of rules and duties. I hope you're able to feel within your heart a a passion, an emotional experience of passion and love towards God. And I want to say to you this, if you cannot see the beauty of the Lord at work in the things you hold higher than anything else, what are your highest ideals? If you cannot see the love of God in that, um, you're going to really struggle to have these emotional experiences uh, pursuing God. This Christmas season, please, Let what you want for Christmas be a real relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to have to make time. You're going to have to open your eyes. And you're going to have to open your heart. You see, if you have eyes to see, if you have ears to hear. So you're going to have to make an intentional effort not to just be religious, but to see in the things you value more than anything else to see the hand of God, the heart of God, the beauty of God. And then, as you do that, you will begin to discover that (laughs) there's no way you can keep your emotions out of your perception of the beauty of the Lord, the goodness of God, the, the love manifest and shed abroad in our hearts. And now you're getting 
now you're starting to be able to say, I, I have a relationship with God. I, I emote. I'm not just self-interested with a fear of the Lord. That's a beginning. I, I have a passionate pursuit of the things that I I hold high as they're the most beautiful things I can perceive. And in those things, I see the signature of God. Lord Jesus, I pray you would be with us. I pray that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear. Lord, I'm praying that each of us, in spite of our backgrounds and our, the journey that brought us to this moment, the bad sometimes the bad spiritual habits that we have, Lord, help us to rise above that and help us to see you as the brightest star in our sky. And like a wise man say, I'm, I, I, I don't know what's going on there. I don't know where that's taken me, but that's the highest star in my sky and I'm pursuing it. Help us to do that, Lord Jesus. Help me to do that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Love you guys. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.